Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Pastor, welcome to the Tavern. We are here to have another great episode, and this is the episode that everybody has been clamoring for. You have been begging me to talk about the Satanic Panic, and that is what we're going to do. I've got some wonderful guests on today. We'll introduce those in just these guys in just a minute. They've been on before, and uh, we're going to just talk about this. We're going to just let everyone just share from the bottom of their heart exactly how they feel about uh, what we refer to now as the satanic panic and uh, hopefully we'll get some insights that uh, will reveal maybe some spiritual truths as well so anyway we'll be right back Welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Today, I am joined with Josh and with Tyson, and they, like I said, they've both been on with me before, and uh, so we won't necessarily have to go through the whole intro thing again, but I, I will allow them just to give a few minutes of uh, kind of reminding us who they are and and, uh, and where, what episodes they were on before, and then we'll get right into this topic. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and give us a start? Sure, yeah. My name's uh, Josh Cookgen. Uh, I've been a DM for uh, about 10 years now. I've been playing for about 15. Um, I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, really any role-playing games, with a, um, a modified uh, 2.5 edition, um, is what my DM called it. And so uh, I remember Thacko uh, and some of the difficulties oh, yeah. with uh, with the earlier systems. Uh, but I cut my teeth uh, as a DM on 5th um, on edition right when it first came out in 2012 with D&D Next. I've uh, been following um, avidly. Uh, I worked at a, a Bible college um, uh, a number of years ago, and that's where I first started uh, DMing. And so most of the players that I interacted with were uh, students or staff um, at the Bible college. And um, there was uh, quite a bit of the, you know, uh, concerns about Dungeons and Dragons, as we'll talk about uh, in a bit. And so I have some experience with some of that. Um, I think in total, I've uh, DM'd for about 120 players with about 300 characters total. Um, wow. at the table. And so it's, it's been a fun, fun 10 years so far. It's <laughs> incredible. All right, Tyson, go ahead and give us a little bit of a recap and uh, what episode you were on with us before and, and we'll get started. What was it? Episode three thousand? I don't remember exactly. It was one of the first ones. It was yeah, in the, one of the first few. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, name's Tyson Cargill I'm from Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Uh, I've been playing since the mid nineties. I actually don't remember exactly when I started playing. Uh, so, uh, I started with, um, games like Boot Hill, um, you know, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, played, uh, Rifts, Heroes Unlimited, you know, a lot of the Palladium games, uh, 3.5 and, uh, you know, fifth edition, uh, I've had a, uh, I've done a lot of playing and a lot of GMing. Um, I had a game going for, you know, consecutive game going for about three, you know, three years with the same group, right? Well, with other other players moving in and moving, you know, in and out. But um, I've had quite a bit of, uh, you know, bit of experience, um, even. Uh, even whenever I was younger, I tried to make my own. Uh, more politically correct, politically friendly game uh, that eliminated magic um, so that my parents would allow me to play. So I could, you know, kind of sneak that in there a little bit. But no, I've loved tabletop um, RPGs, pretty much anything RPGs ever since I was, you know, a little kid in sixth grade. Now, you, you mentioned that you started playing in, in about the early to mid 90s. Um, Josh, and you, you said you started with 2.5, a modified 2.5, but when did you actually start playing? Yeah, that was about 15 years ago. So uh, what is that? Probably early 2000s. Early I think 2000s. that's that's right where we're looking at. Okay. 
All right. The reason why I bring that up is because, like I said, I, I think I'm considerably older than you guys. I'm, I'm 53. Um, and I actually started playing Dungeons and Dragons back in 1982. Uh, I rolled up my first character. And the reason why I know is because I still have that character sheet and it has the date on it. <laughs> so I know exactly when I rolled up my first character sheet. Um, and this was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 1982. And uh, and that was uh, that was my introduction to tabletop role playing games. <laughs> Uh, but it was also happened to be a banner year for what we are now referring to as the Satanic Panic. Uh, the Satanic Panic actually began maybe in 1980, 1981, uh, but it really gained national news in about 1982, late 1981, 1982. Um, and, and I mean, people were uh, going on, on television talking about how... Uh, satanic it was and how the kids were under the influence of of uh the dungeon master which was like some kind of hypnotist or something like that um and and it, it that believe it or not i had never heard of dungeons and dragons until the satanic panic the satanic panic actually is what alerted me to what dungeon dragons was all about um and i think they're calling that now i think they're calling it the barbara streisand effect have y'all ever heard of that <laughs> where you yeah. try you try to downplay something or you try to say how evil and bad it is and it actually draws people's attention to it um and so that was actually what happened to me is i would probably have gone my entire life without knowing dungeons and dragons if it hadn't been for the media attention that dungeons and dragons got um up to and including movies made about it uh i don't know if you guys ever seen the movie uh, mazes and monsters with a very young tom Hanks, um, <laughs> that that was kind of the penultimate, uh, supposed to be the 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 nail in the coffin for Dungeons and Dragons about how you know, it's so evil and and people are losing their ability to tell the difference between reality and fa and fantasy. Um, but like I said, that was back in '82. What 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 influence has has the Satanic Panic had on you guys? Um, and like I said, just feel free to 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 share from the bottom of your heart on this. How has it affected you? How how did it uh, influence your role playing game, or 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 did it? I mean, you know. Well, you know, starting out in the '90s, it was still very much, uh, you know, a thing, yeah. uh, because I mean, it it, it morphed all into more than just Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, there was a lot, I mean, Pokemon even, I mean, I was a big fan of Pokemon. I loved Pokemon. That's a little bit later, probably late nineties. Um, uh, me and my friend, we were very big into the Pokemon card game. Uh, we loved playing and it, uh, it, you know, I mean that, that was called out as well, but you know, pretty much anything having to do with magic power rangers ninja turtles there was oh, yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. and but one thing that i like uh that i think needs to be said all the time and whenever whenever this actually comes up is remember that this was this came the whole satanic panic for the most part came from a position of love you know, I, I, you know, people get upset, and I remember being extremely frustrated and extremely angry that you know my parents wouldn't allow me to play Dungeons and Dragons, and they just didn't understand. And you know, I tried to explain to them and things like that, and I did not come to the same conclusion that they did. But everyone from my parents to you know, we had people uh, talk about it at church growing up all that kind of stuff it all came from a from a position of love yeah. you know they weren't being being you know i mean you just don't care about this sort of thing if it's not from a position of love i mean who would care right yeah. but my parents and you know as i grew older and as i you know you know you become parent you know a parent yourself i mean i have two young boys six and four so, I mean, it, there was a big gap there between whenever I was a little and whenever I had kids. But I, I still learned that, you know, and I still understood as I got older that my parents do love me. And the people who talked about this and the people who, you know, that, you know, that really frustrated me, they still loved me. They still did this out of a position of love. 
even though I didn't agree with them, I didn't agree with them at all. It, it was still, it, it wasn't done maliciously and it wasn't done to hurt me. It was, to, it was done because they cared for me and they cared for my soul. I mean, that's big, right? And, 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 you know, I, I like to always try to frame any of the conversations, you know, about this subject in that. I mean, we, we can look back, hindsight's, you know, often 2020, and we look back and we're like, hey, you know, that was, that was, that was kind of dumb. <laughs> but, you know, and when you're there in the moment, sometimes you just don't see that and you think you're doing the right thing. And they tried to do the right thing, but that's all you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, that that coming out of that that state of love of of being, um, you know, driven to protect your children, to be, you know, to to give them the best possible advantage. Uh, you know, that applies to more than just gaming, role playing. I mean, when my kids were little, I mean, I used to sit down and watch cartoons with them. Um, so that I could determine whether or not the cartoon was going to be something that they could watch. You know, um, I didn't just let them watch anything and everything that was on Nickelodeon or, or, or Disney or whatever, because, you know, it was, it was important for me to know that they were engaging in something that was not going to violate what we believe or, or, or what we were trying to teach them at home. Um, but, you know, Again, I think, like, like you said, with everything, you can you can go a little far with it uh, if you're not careful. You can uh, try to overprotect. You know, there's there comes a point where you have to pull back and you have to say, "I trust my child to make the right choices and to to do the right thing." Um, maybe they do, maybe they don't, um, but you hope that they will because you've given them the best opportunity that that you can. Um, One of my biggest fears as a parent, yeah. right there. Josh, what about you? Yeah, well, uh, I grew up with um, conservative, uh, protective parents as well, very loving. And, and so I resonate with what you're saying, Tyson. Yeah, they definitely uh, protected me from a, a perspective of love uh, and, and a desire to uh, train us up into something that uh, that was going to be honoring uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I understand that kind of thing coming out of, of, of a background where, you know, we didn't watch uh, Harry Potter growing up um, when I was young, um, things like that. Um, I think that when I first was introduced to Dungeons and Dragons, um, I didn't know about any of the concerns prior or the stigma associated with, uh, with the name and uh, or any of the panic associated with it. It wasn't really until... Um, I started working at the Bible College. This was in uh, 2012 and 2013 when I started uh, DMing. Um, I discovered that um, there was this was a sensitive topic, and so some of my friends uh, they had grown up uh, concerned about that kind of a thing, and and especially at that time um, I was on staff at the college and uh, and working working in a in an environment where you know parents are sending their kids their young right out of high school uh, people to be educated and trained uh in the ways of the bible and, and what it means to be a christian and then to hear that uh that their kids are, are playing uh a potentially threatening you know game something that has uh, historically been associated with um you know, witchcraft and uh, and a lot of, you know, hedonism and, and things that are associated with, you know, reports of suicide and murder and pornography, things that are really uh, dangerous, uh, that was a, uh, a problem. And so when we started looking into those concerns and started trying to navigate how do we handle these kinds of concerns, um, we ultimately, for that season, developed the idea that um, the stigma, stigma is significant enough to where um, it's worth respecting um, those concerns, um, even though, you know, the way we were playing and what we were doing was actually um, very edifying, very um, encouraging and was building up a team, you know, mentality. Um, it was something that that ultimately needed to be handled with a lot of um, delicacy. And so that actually led me to um, start developing my own game. Um, I started uh, writing my own game and, and I think I put a, a cumulative total of about 300 hours uh, of development into it. And uh, I never ended up uh, publishing the material. We just used it for ourselves. But I wrote a game um, that I titled uh, Adventures in Pen and Paper. 
And so it was very similar to the mechanics of uh, fifth edition, uh, but it had a lot of a lot of things stripped out of it. Um, a lot of names were changed, and uh, and we uh, we played it in a in a manner that if it was talked about outside of you know the context of our game table, uh, parents weren't going to be concerned about that. And so um, I think that there is an importance I learned uh, in you know respecting the uh, the convictions that some people have, even if um, sometimes we don't necessarily agree with them. And now, uh, like you, Tyson, uh, I'm a father uh, of two children and. And, and so I'm very protective of them, you know, um, and I think that the things that I'm protective of are perhaps maybe different um, from what my parents were protective of, but there's a lot of similarities. I, um, when they see things like magic um, on shows or TV, um, I'm, I'm quick to ensure that they understand this is something fake. You know, this is something that's not real. Um, and yeah. yeah, and if they're, and if they're looking at these kinds of things in a manner that where they are saying uh, that, that they see it as something real, then, then that's a concern. Yeah. Okay. No, and, and you've brought up some good points where that I've also experienced, you know, uh, for those that don't know, Boot Hill is a very old um, cowboy-themed game. Fantastic game, by the way. Uh, if anybody listening, you should check out and definitely run. It is hilarious to play. It is so much fun. Every time um, I have ever played it, and every time I've ever introduced anybody to it, it they, they're blown away by how much fun it is because it's a game that just promotes a lot of just like, you know, crazy antics and such. But people didn't really have, and they didn't understand. I mean, it, you know, a lot of this comes from, um, you know, uh, to not try to sound too harsh, a position of ignorance. They don't understand and they didn't understand that you know, half the time um, role-playing games are the same underneath with just different wrappings, yeah. you know. And, yeah. um, you know, Boot Hill used a little bit different mechanics um, than, um, you know, Dungeons & Dragons did or, or Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. But um, it didn't have the magic. It didn't have that darker aspect to it. And so it was easier for people to understand. And uh, just like Palladium Rifts, um, my parents didn't have as much of an objection with that because they didn't really hear about it until they saw some of the art and saw some of the cover, you know, the, the cover art and some of the other art. And they were like, uh, I don't know about that, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, and you have... Uh, some of the some of the times, and and actually, I've known youth pastors that I've introduced um, to Boot Hill before, and they're like, "Oh wow, I could use this. I think I could actually use this as an outreach at my church. It's not, um, you know, we could play this easily. I mean, I could just have you know pre-generated characters, and they could easily jump in. I mean, it takes like 10, 15 minutes to learn learn the rules yeah. and you know, and I can use this and there's people wouldn't have the objection to it because it doesn't carry the stigma of magic and high fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that, you know, that's beneficial, which I also tried to create my own. I was, by the way, I did try to create my own. I was in eighth grade and my own game and I called it, cold steel and it was not good not good at all but i tried <laughs> yeah i i did the same thing believe it or not um and i think this is this is so hilarious that the three of us are, are sharing this um because again out of that same pattern of concern of, of i don't want you going into this uh what was perceived as a very demonic um activity I wanted to I wanted to play. I wanted the social aspect of playing with my friends. I wasn't into sports. I wasn't uh, you know particularly good at things like chess or anything like that. I mean, I was I was the typical nerd, you know. I I earned that title, you know, with every wedgie and swirly that I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, so I, I created my own too. And of course, I, I was also big into comic books. I loved comic books, DC, Marvel, you know, the whole nine yards. And so my friends and I in school created a, a, 
a superhero themed role playing game where you know we weren't magical we were mutants we were gifted you know in some special way um and there was a little bit of sci-fi mixed in there you could be aliens and all that kind of stuff and yeah again not not particularly good as far as the mechanics go but it was a lot of fun uh we we enjoyed playing it because it gave us something to do that wouldn't raise the eyebrows of our parents um but there's three things that you guys brought up that i really wanted to to go back and touch on the first was um the 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 concern you know that that people had that's legitimate i mean i think that they had a legitimate concern um and and also the the uh the cover art uh you know i i remember the old the old boris vallejo um very scantily clad you know conan the barbarian style artwork on the, some of these covers um you know so there was there was that being involved in 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 demons because yes they did originally name the bad guys after things like Beelzebub and and you know all that kind of stuff and then there was also that sexualization side of it where the artwork was very questionable of course you know as a 12 year old boy that was exactly what i wanted to look at but uh you know it wasn't proper for me to do um yeah. and i remember probably one of the biggest effects and, and this is this is what I think is important to bring out about this. TSR, Gygax and 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 um, his his associates Anderson and all those guys, they wanted to appease the families. They wanted to appease this religious organization, this movement that was coming against them, and they made the changes that they thought they could make to try to to ease this conflict. They went in, they changed the names of a lot of the demons that they had literally just taken right out of mythology and straight from the Bible and all these different source locations. They changed them. They changed the artwork. Um, you know, they, they even changed the color of the covers of the books. They went, they went, you know, from, from uh, kind of a bluish color to a red color. I mean, it was just, you know, everything that they could do that they could think of. I mean, I'm 1982. I actually have a copy of a memo that was sent out to everybody at TSR saying we have to make changes otherwise this movement is going to destroy us I mean we're talking about a movement that was sending pamphlets and and videos to police officers to police stations to tell them how to identify a person who was under the influence of Dungeons and Dragons I mean that that was where it was at um book burnings where you know I don't know if you guys have ever experienced a book burning, but people were bringing their 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 albums, their record players, you know, stuff like that. They were burning them along with the Dungeons and Dragons books and all that kind of stuff. Have these great big huge bonfires um, against it. I mean, it was it was really a big thing. It wasn't just some small little individual parent saying, "Oh, I just don't know if you should be into that." This was a huge movement. So much so that uh, Jack Chick, uh, I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he, he he made a lot of tracks, a lot of cartoon comic strip type tracks back in the 70s and 80s. And I mean, he made a, a big full color, full size comic book about the evils of Dungeons and Dragons. I remember you know reading that. And of course that scared the snot out of me because I had just gotten introduced to Dungeons and Dragons. And yet here he was saying that Dungeons and Dragons was going to teach me how to how to cast spells and how to summon demons and all that kind of stuff, um, and scared me so much that I I tried to get away from the magic as well. I, I went into things like Star Trek: The Role Playing Game from FASA. I went into uh, Robotech. I went into uh, like say GURPS, uh, Palladium Rifts, all those kind of things that that would steer me away from the magic because it it did it scared me to a ridiculous extent because I really truly believed. If I roll these dice and I, I play a magic user of any kind, yeah, that, all of a sudden there's going to be a puff of smoke and, you know, Ouija boards are going to start flying around the room and, and you know, bells above himself is going to appear. Uh, and I'm not trying to, to uh, discount spiritual as aspects of things. I think you can always open up a door if you're not spiritually careful. Um, but this was at least to me, bordering on, on almost an insane 
uh, just a witch hunt, really. It was just, they were looking everywhere that they could for any kind of, of demonic influence, uh, backwards masking on, on albums, all of that kind of stuff that was just, you know, feeding into this atmosphere of fear. Uh, and of course, I didn't understand that at 12 years old. I didn't understand it uh, really until I was out of high school. Um, but it was, it was certainly uh, something that had to be dealt with. And TSR did what they thought they could to try. So much so that about 1983, 1984, their company began to falter because people were rejecting Dungeons and Dragons to that level. I mean, it was just, it had gotten to that extent. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I find it interesting that when you, when you look at the origins of the game, and you understand who Gary Gygax was and a, and a lot of his friends coming out of, uh, you know, like I said, early 1970s and 1974 was when Dungeons and Dragons first was published. Um, you know, he, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Um, you know, he was not a Satan worshiper. He was not some kind of uh, occultist. He, he was heavily influenced by the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, by, by Lord of the Rings. And he was wanting to create a game that was where you could go in and you could play the good guys and defeat the bad guys, you know, and you literally look at all of the creator characters um, that you could be in the early editions, first edition, second edition, you couldn't play things like orcs. You couldn't play things like goblins. You couldn't play tieflings or anything like that. You had to play dwarves and elves and, you know, cause these were the good guys in Tolkien's work. Um, you know, so it was always about the battle of good versus evil. And yet out of that, because of ignorance or because of misunderstood context, people panicked. They freaked out about what this game was really about. And they, they to use the old expression, threw the baby out with the bathwater because they didn't really get it. Um, and like you say, this, this was something that permeated, even though it lost media effect by the 90s and early 2000s, it's something that's still going on that affected you guys. Uh, I was I was sharing with Josh uh, before we began recording about when I was in college and I was in college in the early 90s. Um, you guys weren't even around, <laughs> but uh, I was in college in the early 90s and we were playing Star Trek, the role playing game. I mean, that's about as far from fantasy magic as you can get. We were playing it in the student union building. And this was during the height of the next generation on television. I mean. Captain Picard and all those guys going out, you know, every week boldly where no man has gone before. And, but we would still get chastised and, and looked down upon because we were playing in the student union building with paper and dice, even though we weren't playing anything that had anything to do with magic or demons or anything like that. So it became a stigma attached to all role-playing games. You know, and, and and even whether you're playing, you know, a Western role-playing game or a sci-fi role-playing game or, you know, any other kind of non-magic role-playing game, you find that that stigma is still attached, don't you? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It definitely was in the 90s, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah even in school, there. yeah. Yeah, yes. just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, when we were uh, at the Bible college, especially, we'd start playing these kinds of games. Um, and, you know, we're playing games that now I've designed and, and are un unattached from the names Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, unassociated with any from any Google searches that are going to bring up some of these, you know, uh, historical concerns of Satanism and, and witchcraft and suicide and, you know, these, these different stories. It's unassociated from that. And yet... Um, all it takes is for somebody to say, you know, for talking to their parent or talking to their friends, say, oh, so what is that? It's like, oh, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're in that same boat. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, what's that? Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would try playing uh, at school with friends or something like that. And I mean, yeah, it was definitely frowned upon. I mean, I, I wasn't a, I mean, I was, a, I grew up a true nerd, but I was also, you know, athletic and <clears throat> all that kind of stuff. I didn't fit quite in the, you know, in, in either category. I, you know, I, 
I don't know. I was kind of just one of those that was just kind of in the middle, just kind of there. But I, you know, I would try to play. And but, I mean, a lot of the time, anything nerdy was just looked down upon. Yeah. I, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, all that kind of stuff was always looked down upon. I, I mean, I, of course, I graduated in two thousand two, so it was, you know, in the two thousands, I had kind of already moved away from from that sort of thing. And I don't remember experiencing that nearly as much in high school. My high school was a little bit different, though. Um, it was a um, we didn't have a lot of. Um, it, it was a you know magnet school. You had to apply to get in, so we didn't have a lot of the you know uh, same issues that other high schools uh, high schools had. I mean, we still had issues, but it wasn't. Uh, a lot of the issues weren't nearly pronounced. Like you didn't have, um, we didn't really have gang problems or anything like that, you know, that nature. So, um, so we had to <laughs> making a somebody making a uh, call on me. So we didn't have the we didn't have a lot of those issues, but. You know, we still had, you know, a lot of nerdy stuff, being in band, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We were making fun of, you know. I mean, we still weren't the cool kids a lot of the time. Yeah, if you if you were if you were in band, if you were in ROTC, uh, if you were in, in yeah. any kind of math club or, or chess club or anything like that, if you were a pocket protector in your shirt, you know, yeah, you were you were a target. Uh, like I, I, said, I, I earned my title of nerd. You know the old-fashioned way. I mean, <laughs> I was in ROTC. I wore a uniform uh, every single week. And the senior year, I was on the drill team. And a lot of times, I wore my uniform more than once a week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I did. I was on. I was on color guard. I was uh, captain of the color guard. I was on the drill team. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was the ultimate. Uh, uh, I just you know, wear it with pride. I was a nerd. I really, really was. <laughs> You know, like I said, nerdy I got away from. Oh, go ahead. No, I just echoing what you're saying. Nerdy and proud. Yeah, wear wear it with pride. Uh, I got away from Dungeons and Dragons, like I said, because of that fear of of the magic, and I didn't really come back to it until the late '80s. Um, I was in the military. I was I was uh, stationed abroad, and um, you know, found it was a a, a way to to spend some time with my shipmates, you know, I was in the Navy, I was on board submarines and it was something that we could do during our off hours. And so I kind of got that resurgence into it, you know, about 87, 88, um, when I really kind of just embraced it wholeheartedly. Of course, I wasn't living for the Lord at that time. I had, I had, uh, you know, had my, my prodigal rebellion, uh, stage and, um, you know, I was, you lived up to being a sailor. I was, yeah, I lived up to the name sailor. Yeah, I was trying to overcome that nerd uh, title, but uh, but it was still something that I hung on to, you know, from from when I was a kid. And I found that there were other people who were willing to do it. And uh, you know, I've talked with other people on this podcast before about the camaraderie that you have, the the socialization that you get from it, and you know, found that it was a wonderful way for me to get to know the other guys that I was on board with. And, you know, just again, apart from drinking and, and going to the clubs, this was something we could do that wasn't, you know, destructive to our livers and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so it, 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 it reintroduced it to me um, and I embraced it wholeheartedly. And it was amazing to me as I did. Of course, this was 87. So this would have been maybe late second edition. Uh, I'm not sure if third edition had come out yet. Um, I'm not exactly sure when third edition came out. I think third, third edition came out in like late nineties, didn't it? Um, but anyway, something like that. Yeah. It's been a while. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, of course, like I said, I'm for me, 30 years ago is, you know, just around the corner where you know, for, for some people, it's like, we weren't even around then. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so I, 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 I embraced it wholeheartedly and I suddenly was like my eyes were opened and I said, this is not um, this is not what what I was told it was. 
This is not about summoning demons. This is not about, you know, actually learning how to conjure, you know, magic and all that kind of stuff. This is just a game. Um, you know, Dragonlance, uh, all those different worlds that you could go into. Um, but it was all all the same, basically. You know, it was just a game. It was just something that you played. It was something you had a good time. You know, you ate pizza and, and drank Mountain Dew till way too late on a Saturday night when you knew you had to be at muster at six o'clock on Sunday morning, you know, kind of thing. But it was just a game. That's all it was. And so when I when I understood that, when I realized that that was what was going on, I, I really did begin to get into it a lot more. And uh, of course, now now that I'm a pastor, now that I'm I'm ministering to people, I've discovered that this can be a tool that can be used in ministry. And and like you were talking about introducing uh, Boot Hill to, to youth pastors that they can use in their youth groups, you know, as a ministry tool. I discovered that as well. I discovered that this was something that could be taken as just a tool and used to help reach out to a community, to help uh, bring social skills and 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 cognitive skills to, to to youth that don't really understand how the world works because maybe they have Asperger's or whatever. Um, I was telling Josh, it even helped in my family um, when after my late wife passed away and I got remarried several years later, it helped my youngest son come in to embrace her as a part of the family because we sat down together at the table and played a game together. Nice. And, and so it, it, all of the stigma that was attached to this that was totally unnecessary ultimately i mean again understanding that the they initially came at it with from a position of love and wanting to um protect us as as their children we we as christians we missed an opportunity to to take this property to take this uh this land that had been set before us from the enemy and be a positive influence on it and now we see where it's literally completely overrun with the other side i mean i i hate saying it because it's not really meant to be an us versus them but you know the, the world took charge of it and we 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 left it and so now we're having to kind of fight to take it back um I would, I would amend what you said a little bit because, you know, we didn't just leave it; we kind of drove it that way. Yeah, in a way, we, create, we created, uh, you know, we created the narrative that it it was us versus them. Unfortunately. Yeah, and so we we missed an opportunity. Uh, we missed an opportunity that we could have been using for the past 40 years um, as a way to minister and reach out to the, the world, the community around us. And instead we kind of locked ourselves into our own little Ivy towers and, and said, you know, we, we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to have to handle it. Um, and that's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. We missed an opportunity to, to make an impact when we could have, and now we're having to struggle to try to take it back. Um, I don't know. I mean, you guys have all talked about how that you've, you found a way to use it in ministry. You've found a way to, to, to use it as a, a tool, an instrument in, in your work. Um, how do you, how do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like there was a, a, you know, we lost an entire era or do you feel like, you know, this is still, still something that can be accomplished. We can still do this. We just have to, you know, take it one day at a time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I when I think about the the kinds of things that D and D, the history that D and D has, um, we definitely, as Christians, I think, dropped the ball by saying, you know, just a, a total exclusion to this. I'm going to um, completely deny it and not 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 be a light in this community um, because I mean, you know, Jesus spent time with uh, the prostitutes and the tax collectors. That doesn't yeah. mean that he's out there prostituting himself or he's out there, you know, um, taking advantage of people with their money uh, and, and doing as the tax collectors were doing, but he's, he's engaging with these people. And it definitely seemed that there was, uh, a, you know, from the Christian perspective, or at least with the label of Christianity, there were efforts to 
to really separate Christianity from the name Dungeons and Dragons and anything associated with Dungeons and Dragons. And so like you're in, you know, when, when you talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, that kind of thing definitely took place. Um, but I definitely, you know, agree with Tyson as well that there, um, there was legitimate concern, uh, legitimate concern about things that, um, uh, that, that should be addressed. And we, you know, look at modern concerns with Dungeons and Dragons, and and I still have concern over, you know, the magic elements in the game um, and and certain aspects of it. I mean, there are classes um, even within Fifth uh, Edition. You know, we're zeroing into Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition specifically. I can't right. speak to all the other tabletop role playing games, but I mean, you look at the, you know, the warlock as a class, and it's in the class description that you're giving allegiance to an otherworldly patron yeah. who's giving you power. Yeah. That's very, uh, that's very concerned. in line with the Christian theology of, about where power in this world comes from. And so when you start talking about playing a role-playing game that, uh, that draws the line really close to reality um, on how things work, then uh, I can definitely understand concern. And so there are things where, you know, I have, I have good friends now that say, I'm just not comfortable with that. And I, um, I look at that and say, there's a level of conviction in this person's heart that um, that I respect. Um, I respect their care and attention for the things that preserve their heart. So you look at things like, you know, the historical concerns, um, and, and there is a lot of, you know, uh, satanic imagery in the original, you know, first edition material. And like you're saying, TSR did a great job with the second edition of uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, kind of pulling all those things back out. But you know, trying, when, trying to trying to appease that that uh, that. Yeah, but when Wizards they of the Coast, have, yeah, I mean, they used to have Yahweh as one of the deities in one of their books, and it, I don't remember. It's been a long time. I have never actually seen the original, but Yahweh was one of the. the it was one of the books. I can't remember the name of it, but it basically had. Like listed all the gods and their supposed power, and yeah, they tried to do a really good job that you know to show that you know God was all powerful, all that kind of stuff. But they still gamified him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. Right. And, and I would say even a, a depiction of 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 Yahweh, the one true God, put on level with <laughs> other gods. You know, that's a problem to see that kind of a thing. And so I can understand a concern um, and seeing these very biblical names uh, that. You know, uh, Baal and, and uh, Baalzaman and, and these other, you know, uh, all these guys that are out there that are described as as real entities within the Bible. Um, we see them as portrayed as, you know, things that you game with um, is, is a potential problem. And even when Wizards of the Coast, you know, took over in, in 1997, um, they published material with, you know, third edition and 3.5 that that was I mean, like hugely problematic, you know, I mean, Tyson, you even mentioned it in, in your episode when you guys were talking about house rules, you know, the 3.5 version book, uh, the book of erotic fantasy, you know, and it's like that kind of thing. There's rules and systems out there, you know, rules for the Dungeon Dragon systems that that are highly um, inappropriate. And, and you know, you talk about books like um, uh, what's the one they have uh, uh, the book of vile, uh, vile deeds, right? Uh, where they where they yeah. set out rule sets for 3.5 uh, in how to be um, very bad players, you know, and so it, it's uh, not all stories revolved around revolved around doing uh, you know being the heroes, and of right. course they they brought out you know the book of exalted deeds as well to kind of counter that, but I mean these books those two books in particular they came out with you know explicit content warnings printed on the books, and this is. You know, post 1997, uh, when when Wizards of the Coast took over, so I mean, there's a there's an understandable concern, but I think that you know, when you pair that up with the modern concerns of Dungeons and Dragons, it's the same concern that we have with you know modern movies where there's an oversexualization, you know, in in even you know movies with the PG-13 rating. It's like there 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 are elements that are are fairly pornographic and uh, very explicit language, you know. Um, and so when these kinds of things come, come into place, we have to treat them the same way. It's not just that we say, well, it's, it's just a game because, you know, I mean, I think that um, you'll find things like the Ouija board marketed as just a game. And yet you won't let me, you won't find me letting my kids anywhere near a game like that, you know. Right. Yeah. And so it comes down to treating it. Yeah, it comes down to treating it really like, uh, um, 
like anything else where, where there are appropriate elements of this um, and there are inappropriate elements of it and it has to be treated with a distinct. I think those are really great points. And it's one of the things that I'm really glad that, um, it, actually, you know what, you know, now that Dungeons and Dragons has actually become a lot more mainstream, we've kind of gotten, they've gotten uh, Wizards, Wizards of the Coast in general has changed a lot since the, you know, since the 90s, you know, it's become more mainstream, um, it's become more, um, it's become more uh, geared towards games, it seemed to be before it was geared more towards comic books and you know that that sort of thing. You know, with some of the game stuff, um, they've kind of cleaned up their image in a lot of ways. And now that Dungeons and Dragons has um, uh, it kind of become mainstream, they've kind of reined in some a lot of their official releasings. I mean, they can't yeah. control all of their, you know, third party releasing. Right. You know, because yeah. anybody can release a D twenty system, you know, book, right? But they've kind of gotten rid of a lot of that. Um, you know, just absolute horrible, um, you know, content. Um, and, and it's a lot, a lot more friend, uh, family friendly. I mean, I haven't read every single one of the books, but from what I've seen, it's a lot more family friendly. Um, so that is one thing that we have, and it's not nearly as sexualized either. Yeah, I, yes. I've noticed That's, that. That is probably the truth. Like I, like I was saying, you know, back, back when I was first getting into it, you know, of course, like I said, the, the Boris Vallejo covers and, and stuff like that, that were just, hypersexualized of course it, it was effective you know in drawing yeah. me in because you know here i was a, a you know 12 year old kid who was just like wow you know um yeah and when but, and I, yeah, I can I, attest I agree. to that I too they, i have the really, material they really adjusted and toned that down a lot which is very much appreciated and again i think um i think that that stems from that desire to to appease, not not I don't want to say appease. I don't like that word. Uh, to cooperate with, you know, the parents, with the families, to say, hey, we're trying to make this as family friendly and family oriented as we can. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's still some third, you know, third party material out there, some homebrew and stuff like that. If you go on to to any of the the homebrew sites, that will you know definitely make you raise an eyebrow and go, wow, really, <laughs> you know. But, um, but to, to think about how that, you know, we, we might have, and I, I'm, I'm speculating, I understand that, that we might have avoided that had we not shunted Dungeons and Dragons out, if we had instead said, hey, let us, let us help you make this as appropriate as you can, that we might have avoided a lot of that sexualization or a lot of that, uh, you know, demonic influence or, or evil influence that came about I, I was i'll be honest with you i was very disappointed when when i saw that they were allowing evil characters to be to be a playable character you know that it wasn't just it wasn't just saying i'm going to play a drow who has overcome the evil influences and become a good guy no it was saying you you're going to still play a, a an evil character you're you're still evil as as all get out you're going to go out and you know do all these horrible things and i thought that's just not not in the heart of the original game as far as how it was originally created. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I had an answer for how to resolve all of that and how to, 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 to fix it, except to say that in the individual game, in my game, mm -hmm. I can choose. I have that authority. I have that right, that ability to say, I'm not going to allow these kinds of deities. I'm not going to allow these kinds of uh, spells. I'm not going to allow this kind of behavior, you know, going back to house rules, uh, Tyson, like you and I talked about, um, you know, I have that, uh, I have that authority because as the game master, it is my game. It's my story as I set it up. Now the players interact with that story and they contribute to it, but I get to lay the ground rules. I get to lay those, those first layers and say, this is what's going to be allowed and what's not going to be allowed. Um, so I, I get to, I get to have that level of control where I can say, you know, you're not going to be a worshiper of Asmodeus, you know, you're, you, I'm not going to allow an evil character. I'm not going to allow, uh, you know, wizards who, who sell their soul to, you know, Cthulhu or whatever, um, you know, 
and that that allows me that control that at my table it's going to be pg it's going to be family friendly it's going to be you know clean and above board but it doesn't really solve the issue outside of my game it doesn't solve the issue outside of my home as yeah. christians should we and i guess this is kind of at the crux of all of this we can talk about the history we can talk about the current situation but as christians should we strive to make changes on the, the the grander scale to be able to say this is not what this game was about you know i, I don't know what do you guys think pick your battles for one <laughs> you know i mean some you know some people love to pick hills to die on and if somebody is open to a conversation and yeah but don't get into a battle with somebody you're not going to win you never are going to win and that's okay you don't have to win you know you actually win by if you know if you're having a fight with you know like in a church or something like that you know especially you know one of your church brothers or sisters you're not going to win they're not going to win there is no winning in that situation the way you win is by preserving the peace because ultimately it's just a game and i'm willing to walk away and say okay you know you were you were right if that preserves the uh the relationship we have um that's a good point and, you know and because you know i you know there's there's a lot of times i mean i i'm i'm very uh i i'm very open to you know catholicism and orthodoxy and i've studied those and while i don't um i don't claim to be a part of those particular you know faith traditions i still hold them very you know kind of near and dear to my heart and there's still a lot of people who are very hostile to that sort of thing I don't agree with that at all and i can you know that can be you know rather hurtful at times and i like to you know so but it's not worth fighting over it's not worth fighting over with one of my you know one of one of the people in my church just because you know a lot of times it comes from a position of ignorance yeah and they just don't understand or don't under or you know don't understand i I'm not going to engage with that sort of thing. I'm just going to walk away, preserve that peace and tranquility with them. And yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to slip in talking about how good, you know, a role-playing game can be, or to talk about how, you know, something like that, you know, so, uh, try to slip that, slip that in, try to talk about how, Hey, this can be used as a good tool or hey, you can change the rules to do this. You can change this, you know, a lot. And but if they don't want to hear it, if they're not actually open to it whatsoever, it, it's it's best just to keep the peace, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I agree with Tyson. I mean, you know, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse fourteen tells us to strive for peace with everyone. And yeah. so when we talk about when we talk about our pursuit of change, you know, within this industry. Um, sometimes, sometimes we do have to pick the battle, but I think that there, there's no such thing as like an, an apathetic Christian when it comes to the, um, when, it, when it comes to the laws of the land and, and our care for, you know, the direction of, of, of our government or, or the, the systems that we have in place. If, if you're, if you're a Christian who says, I don't, I don't really care about what's going on in the rest of the world, then you're not really expressing the love of Christ, you know, right. but uh, but at the same time, you know, the platforms that we have access to um, either limit or enable us in different capacities. And so the capacity or the the platform that I have access to uh, as it relates to tabletop role playing games is to show the people in my area um, and, and my demographic what you can do with these tools um, and how you can use them for the glory of Christ. Um, whereas uh, I know that I personally and I would imagine the two of you guys uh, would share this opinion that that there is no time to be to be the frontline activist in changing you know how it's done but some people do have that platform and i know that that they utilize it there was a teacher um, at the bible college um, when i was a teacher there that um, was an artist for wizard of the coast and so some of the material that's in um 
he predominantly worked for Magic the Gathering. Um, and so a lot of the artwork that's there um, is uh, done by him. And so he oh, has wow. the platform to uh, to you know present these these games and uh, present the art uh, that is represented in these games um, in a manner that glorifies God. And so to hear him talk about that, to use that platform um, as a springboard um, is a is a really cool thing. Uh, that's that's that's, a, that's pretty cool. And that's a good. Uh, you, you said he works at the school, correct? Yeah, this was a long time ago, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's still here. You have. Um, you know, Magic the Gathering, it was like, it's got magic in the name. That was really bad, you know, and uh, that was quite the controversy when that showed up in my in middle school in the, yeah. you know, mid-90s when it was brand new. And, yeah, I mean, here, here we get, you know, and I assume he was a believer, you know, confessing yep. Christian. You know, working, creating arts, you know, in that, and, you know, uh, and, you know, there's actually quite a few, or there have been over the years, quite a few Christian artists in various, you know, somewhat controversial, you know, mediums. Um, you know, Doug to Naples, a big one, you know, creator of Earthworm Jim. Yeah. You know, um, he actually, you know, very outspoken, um, you know, create, you know, content creator and... Uh, created like every single album cover cover for Five Iron, Five Iron Frenzy, which you know in the '90s was pretty, you know, in the ska, you know, the ska craze was pretty, yeah. uh, pretty popular, you know, and crazy music. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, you, yeah, I mean that, that's a great, that's a great point to, to bring up that you know you can do you can uh, you can use these you know as long as you know think think about them and think logically about it and try to think come from it not as not out of a reactionary um you know not, not be reactionary to it but actually think about it and you know dissect what it is um and you could still use these to bring glory to god and which i, I think that's that's very important for us to remember and, you know, I, was, I was trying to think of the scripture. In fact, I was trying to look it up. If you saw me looking down um, uh, on my screen, uh, but I, I couldn't find it fast enough um, about where where the disciples saw some people who were casting out demons. They were, you know, doing and, and, and they were mad They because they were like, they're not a part of us. And Jesus said, hey, 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 don't don't worry about it. If they're not against us, they're with us, you know, Um and then, of course, you, you've already brought up several scriptures about, you know, striving to maintain the peace, living at peace with one another. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that's a good note to end on, that that as we're talking about this, yes, there were conflicts. Yes, there were struggles. Yes, there's some differences in belief. But there's also things that we can come together on, that we can have uh, commonality with. Um, I'd much rather you know, work together with, with somebody who, who maybe doesn't have the exact same belief system that I do, you know, like, you know, somebody who's a Catholic or whatever. Um, but I know that they have a love for Jesus. You know, we have something in common, you know, we have something we can work toward together. Uh, same with the game. I think that if we work, um, on the things that we have in common, the commonality that we share, uh, we can certainly, you know, make better strides than, than by just being reactionary. I love that word, Tyson, just having a reaction to what's going on and saying, oh, no, we're not gonna deal with that. Um, but rather say, let's see what we can work together on. Let's see where we have common ground. Um, you know, that's that's so pivotal to the truth of the gospel, isn't it? That it's about not confronting people and shutting them down, but rather finding a way that we can be connected to them and lift them up. Um, I think about, you know, that Jesus dealing with the woman caught in the act of adultery and, you know, confronting all of the people who stood against her with stones in their hand. Um, and yet he says, I, I don't I don't condemn you. He didn't say that he he approved of what she had been doing, but he said, I don't condemn you. And now I want to work with you so that you can go and sin no more. I want to give you that opportunity to get up from this place and go out and sin no more. Um 
you know, I think I think if we start looking at the opportunities that we can have to make that connection, to make that commonality, uh, we have so much so much of a better opportunity to have influence than if we just, you know, throw up walls and throw up defenses and say, no, we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to talk about it. You know, we're going to shut it down. Um, yeah, thank you guys we'll for see. coming on and sharing that. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you have a couple minutes more, I imagine that your listeners are probably asking, you know, so Game Pastor, what do I practically say to somebody who says that's wrong? That's, you know, that's satanic. Um, and maybe that's a conversation for another time, but but that's an important thing to, um, to consider. You know, how do we respond as Christians to modern, you know, current concerns? Um, and that's, very, that's, that's a very good point. That's, that's a very good, you know, topic to bring up. I, I, yeah. That, that yeah good job for bringing for bringing that up well let me let me just let me pose the question to you then you guys are our game masters you're Christians you're in ministry how do you handle it how do you address that issue if somebody comes up to you and says I can't believe that you play Dungeons and Dragons or I can't believe that you uh, are involved in role-playing games you know what are you teaching my kids at, at this school or what are you doing with my kids in youth group or whatever the case may be you know how, how yeah. do you address that Josh, you want to you want to you, you want to say one thing, and then you can. Uh, since you brought up the topic, I think it'd be good for you to summarize everything here in just a second. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think if if I was to summarize all the things that we're talking about um, and the, the the history of uh, of what your guys' experience and my experience is with this this platform, um, that's ultimately the word that I. I think I try to center things around. We have the opportunity to be a light in a historically uh, dark setting. We have the opportunity to do something that glorifies God um, in a way that uh, that the world would say its intention is something different. And yeah. so, you know, God is our God is a God of redemption, a God that that uh, brings light into places where uh, darkness wants to thrive. So, when I yeah. see parents or uh, or people bring a concern to me. And my response to them is that um, these things can be glorifying to God. And I have seen uh, time and time again how people engage with one another at the table and they are able to uh, uh, to you know, grow in mentally stimulating ways and, and do things that are still glorifying to God and still um, edifying to the body, um, which is the ultimate goal of our life here on earth is to glorify God and to edify the body. And and both of those things can be done. Uh, this can be a, a topic in an, in an arena that can be redeemed. Amen. Tyson, go ahead. Tell me what you think. No, you know, um, my, you know what? My response, you know, is, is generally speaking less. Uh, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say is going to be less philosophical. But basically, whatever I, uh, when a lot of people have, you know, objections, I like to break things down logically. I'm a very, you know, uh, you know, fairly logical person. You know, I, and I explain things that games, you know, what we've discussed before, it's just a game. It's very, it's a little bit more complicated than most tabletop, you know, games. You know, checkers, chess. It doesn't ruin marriages like Monopoly does. Um, the in <laughs> um, the rules, and it is basically groups group storytelling with rules. And if you and Magic in these systems are basically just ways for the players to amend the laws of physics. And this would have no difference. This particular setting is a fantasy setting. It has magic. And you can make that of what you will. However, if we were to do something in science fiction, the rules would be identical. You would just have different names for things. Yeah. Everything would work the exact same way. You would just use technology instead of magic. And you would not have a... a um, and then, you know, I generally ask, it's like, would you, do you have a philosophical um, or a spiritual issue with, um, you know, using 
blasters or uh, phasers in Star Trek or Star Wars? And generally speaking, it's no. Um, and so it's like there's not really much difference right. it, difference to it. You're just changing the flavor text. You're just changing the wrapper. And, and flavor is, is really important. I mean, that's what I talked about last episode, you know, <laughs> got to have that flavor in there. Guys, I, I, I love having this conversation with you. Uh, I really want us to, to, to have more of it. And, and of course, we'll, we'll revisit this conversation, you know, probably six or eight more times in the, the life of this podcast. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts, sharing your heart with me. Um, it's, it's wonderful to see how that we're all kind of maybe from different directions, but we're all coming to that same conclusion that this is a platform, thank you, uh, Josh, for, for using that word, that we can use to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can, we can, we can have that inroad into the community to make a difference, and, and we can encourage gospel truth. We can encourage that, that, um, that idea of what the gospel is all about into our games that we, we would never be able to do in any other way. We'd never be able to do it in any other platform. And we do it by coming together and saying, we're working toward a common goal. We're working toward a common good. And that is to, to see the name of Jesus lifted higher, even through this game. Um, this again, this has been absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And I want you guys to know you guys are always welcome back on anytime you want. If you have a topic you want to talk about, you say, hey, Game Pastor, let me talk to you about this. We'll we'll do a we'll do an episode. Um, you guys are fantastic. I love it. And and this has been an absolutely eye-opening as well as as informative episode on the get the 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 results, the impact that the satanic panic had, and how that we as modern game masters can can begin to make inroads and begin to make uh make things right make things better um as a result of it so again appreciate you guys coming on thank you so much josh My great pleasure. to meet you you as well tyson all right guys uh we're gonna go ahead and, and and close it here um if you like this content please make sure you like subscribe share put this word out there help us grow the channel uh, we have a, a thing right now. If we get a hundred subscribers on our YouTube or our Spotify accounts, we're going to have a free giveaway. So this is just a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of care, to, uh, you know, on on a stick in front of you guys. Say, hey, if you help us get this channel grown, we're going to have a giveaway uh, once we hit a hundred subscribers. So we appreciate all that you guys can do. Remember what we always say as we bring this to a close: God loves you, and we care about you. And we want to talk to you again real soon.